I mean, I we be, I believe we lost total over hundred and fifty thousand. Uh, yeah, and so you know, again, it would the the thing I would have done different, and I think all of us collectively, you know, speaking with every everyone, was I personally would have again reached out faster to someone that's done experience with building class a or even having experience with class a with retail that was that that was the issue if we would have had the retail component that would essentially made a huge difference as an operator i know other investors are romanticizing multifamily investing and i'm looking to learn from other investors mistakes i know you are too and you found the right place welcome to myers methods presents multifamily missteps Hey, everybody, and welcome to Myers Methods Presents Multifamily Missteps. I'm your host, Jerome, and I've got the great pleasure of having Matt Anisis with me today. Matt, how are things up in, what is it, North Texas? North Texas. Uh, things are going well. I can't complain. I'm actually working from home today. We're kind of sitting on top of the world, it feels like. Uh, but uh, everything's going well. Family's healthy. Uh, parents are healthy. Everyone's doing their things, and uh, we're, we're still keeping busy. Uh, been a little bit slower on the leasing side with uh, new. We fell out of contract on a deal. Uh, but other than that, we are still plowing away and things are going good. Awesome. And so if the listeners want to get in contact with you uh, following this podcast, what's the best way for them to reach out? Two simple ways. I love text. So you're going to want to text me at 972-441-7995. Uh, that's 972 Seven nine nine five, or you just follow me on Instagram, Madanesis, or you know Facebook, LinkedIn, whatever, Madanesis. Man, I always love it when people put their cell phones numbers out there. They're so bold. <laughs> Let's dive into it. Do me a favor and tell the listeners a little bit about what you've been doing and what you're focused on working on now. Absolutely. So um, I've been a multifamily investor for a little over three and a half years. Been in the property management space for over five years. Um, and very um, creatively got involved in multifamily investing by just serving others. Um, I've all, I dove into the business being a class A manager, um, sales marketing. And then as I went through two takeovers with one property management company, I started figuring out what the heck's going on. And I started learning about multifamily investing and literally just dove in uh, and became a syndicator. Fast forward, give you a long story short, um, learned about syndication. And that's kind of what I've been doing ever since. I still work in due to, um, as a sales consultant with a development company out of Atlanta, Georgia, where we basically build class A apartment communities, um, get them occupied, get them turned and get them ready to sell to the first round of investors, uh, funds and, and all that good stuff. So I'm in, I literally live in the multifamily space, but all, all things real estate, whatever makes sense. Um, always looking for new partners, always looking to help people. Um, whether they're just getting started um, or they're looking to scale up or even just uh, continue to build cash flow. Beautiful. So that's interesting. I don't usually dig into it, but how did you get into multifamily? It's not like, you know, there's a career track or like a college track or anything for that. So how did you dive into that class A space? So um, literally um, a lot of things that went wrong. <laughs> Um, and so I originally am from Northern California. I moved to Texas almost seven years ago. Um, was scheduled to do some sales and development with Apple. 
got here, that fell through. My very first real estate property I um, invested in in California, sold to my business partner. So I had a little bit of cash when me and my family moved here and literally was just doing freelancing, sales, marketing, and the apartment complex that I lived in was actually a class B and C. And it was very small, managed by just two people. And literally, I was working in the business center. When they would go on tour, I was servicing any prospects that came in, any residents that came in. And they, I guess they were stalking me on the cameras. They're like, you know what? You'd be really good in this business. And I was like, have you ever, they asked if I've ever considered it. And I never have. And fast forward, you know, a couple months later, I ended up working for Lincoln Property Management. I went in for an interview and boom, I, I got landed the position, started in Las Colinas. And I actually serviced um, a lot of a. Uh, um, cowboy players back when they were in the Irving area. Um, Tony Romo's manager was my uh, one of my residents, so that was really cool. A lot of his his gear and his um, dry cleaning was next to mine, so I always like to tell that story. But long story short, literally, I went through a lot of takeovers. Lincoln Property Management's massive; their owners they also manage, and I learned a lot about the business. And I at that point thought I wanted to be a property management owner until a couple takeovers happened, and there was no repositioning. And I ended up staying with a smaller company out of uh, Canada. And I then learned like, man, I think I want to be an owner because I started asking questions, started learning, started learning. And I always, no matter what I've ever done, I've always had the ownership mindset, servicing the owner in the company. And so with that, it kind of just led me to um, really learn about what was happening. And I've only worked for class A properties and fast forward ended up. Um, learning about syndication and that's what a lot of these big companies do they syndicate their own deals just on massive scales with hundreds of millions of dollars and so um, I found one of my residents one day and uh, he's a really good friend of mine his name's Mark Kenny you may have um, interviewed him before I think multifamily and I was all I ever saw him and his wife and the kids up and down the elevator and I was like what the heck do they do and we had a community event I was already like learning about like multifamily syndication and then uh, from Grant Cardone, believe it or not. So fast forward, Mark Kenny and Think Multifamily didn't exist at this point. Um, I just went under his wing and started learning from him. And before Think Multifamily existed and fast forward, I've been able to syndicate some deals and basically fast. That's it. That's really how I got started. Um, just by learning and being around the space of you know, the property management world. And so that's given me a lot of advantage because I also I know how property manager owners think. And I also know how um, apartment owners think um, and also investors because, you know, we're always trying to increase that revenue and the NOI. So I bring a lot of creativity to the table, to deals and just other operators um, that, of course, are open minded. And I think now, believe it or not, with COVID-19, I've heard a lot of different property management companies and owners that never even accepted ACH payments. Well, guess what? I was that guy five, six years ago. Hey, you guys need to start taking online payments. Hey, you need... People, no, 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 no. Zoom. I've been on Zoom for over five years and, you know, now everyone's doing it. So I've always been an innovative thinker and, you know, same with space. You kind of see the background. I, I believe in space in the next five, 10 years. And so everything I do in the multifamily space is essentially going to fund some of my um, space endeavors in the future. So that's how I got multifamily. <laughs> so. Beautiful. Now, I haven't been able to interview Mark yet and I've actually been trying to get on their podcast. So now I got a connection to Mark. Hey. <laughs> uh, so you moved from, you know, being an operator in the project management space and 
transition into being a syndicator and doing some deals. And sounds like you had a little rough time on one of the deals that you tried to syndicate with some mixed use. So do yes. me a little bit on the deal background. Yes, absolutely. So I am, I won't get into some of the super specifics, which I believe the listeners and you know, they, they understand that, but basically coming from B and C class, um, you know, underwriting and acquisition for our personal um, portfolio, never done class A acquisition. It's usually too expensive um, and all that good stuff. But basically I found a deal that cash flowed pretty well that had land to develop that was already ready. Basically the blueprints just needed to update some of the inspections and so forth and basically took it down. Um, we were going after it actually. I didn't take it down. We didn't get it all the way down, but uh, we went after it and I only factored in what I knew. B and C class value add, cash flowing, and then all the other stuff was a bonus. From the land, that was a bonus. I just understood the opportunity zone land just enough to know we were getting a good deal. Um, and then there was another component. There was retail below the existing structure. Well, with that, I never underwent that and understood that they were making a lot of units uh, based on what the brokers were telling us. They were going to be able to lease them really quick. Location was amazing. Um, there's a lot of just different nuances. And one of the biggest nuances when I underwent the deal was I knew we can come in and implement because I also have a partnership and you know I also have an Airbnb business, short-term residency business, where we help you know operators add increase their revenue and bring a whole turnkey system to operators that want to increase their NOI. So going into that class A unit, I knew this location. I knew we can implement um, you know minimum and maximum of five units that was going to increase the overall value. Um, I can't remember off the top of my head, but I think an extra. 200 to $300,000. And so it was just, everything made sense, brought in a couple partners. We were going after it. Long story short, um, when we got close to the finish line within, I'll say this under 20 days, there was always, there was always a little bit of a pause when it came to the retail space, the banks, um, the lenders, of course, they wanted to know what that was going to do once we had it um, occupied and so forth. Well, again, I only underwrit the deal and it made sense without the retail, but the banks wanted the retail space um, factored in. So that kind of threw off the deal. Long story short, the retail piece threw off the deal. Um, and then, you know, with some of our partners, we were coming in with equity partners. We weren't going to necessarily do the traditional syndication. Um, and when all that kind of fell apart, there was just not enough time to go backwards and try to do the syndication model um, for this class A unit. So, What's up, guys? It's your host, Jerome. I just want to let you know we launched Myers Methods in the fall of 2019 with the ambition to inspire a new breed of multifamily investor. If you are interested in getting into multifamily or scaling your current business, hop over to our website at MyersMethods.com to grab your free four-step guide on how to get the ball rolling in multifamily. Now, let's get back to the episode. Biggest, The biggest lesson in that was really... Um, preparing a little bit better for the worst, um, you know, and reaching out, reaching out faster to people that have had experience in that, in that space, um, would just lightly experience. And so that's, it was really just a, an expensive learning curve because there was a lot of moving parts. I mean, we were learning so much on the development. We were literally in and out with the city and it was just, it was crazy, but it was a great lesson learned for sure. Now that was now fast forward, you know, almost a year. Wow. Wow. So 
what would you have done differently going into that project? Like, I mean, did you guys lose any money from what you were doing from a development standpoint? Absolutely. So we, I mean, I, we, I believe we lost total over 150,000. Uh, yeah. And so, you know, again, it would, the, the thing I would have done different. And I think all of us collectively, you know, speaking with everyone, everyone was I personally would have, again, reached out faster to someone that's done experience with building class A or even having experience with class A with retail. That was, that, that was an issue. If we would have had the retail component, that would essentially made a huge difference because we were going based off assumptions once they got leased versus factoring that in from the very beginning. Um, and so that was, that's where it got really tricky because that was the unknown. There was the, the retail was vacant for so long because the original owners, they were either going to expand it for their office or the leasing office. So they declined a lot of potential rent. Um, and there was already tenants in there. They had one big, nice tenant. It was a health health tenant, um, like an urgent care, which, you know, those can cash flow pretty good. They were there already for um, several years. And then a couple other little boutiques, but there was still some nice quality retail space that we just didn't necessarily factor in because the, the deal made sense without it, but not to the banks who are going to lend us the money to get the new construction loan and all that. So there's a lot of moving parts in that aspect. So you guys had the money raised and you had the KP in place with the net worth and liquidity to do the deal. Um, how did you get the KP engaged and involved? Like what did he or she like about the deal? Cause I think a lot of people don't actually have the stomach for development. And so, yeah. Is, uh, this is really interesting for me as I go down this path of development. Yes, absolutely, man. So, you know, I, and this is, this is going to be a general thumb. It's probably going to seem cliche, but those, those KPs, those partnerships, they were formed years ago. And, and, and so that's so, so critical. I think anyone that's just getting started, they're always looking for the, you know, small talk, let's build, 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 but then boom, let's, let's take a deal down. It, it, it literally came from years of relationship building, years of a um, lot of mutual contact, but really relationships. And I think, you know, I think most people can speak for that. And so it was literally understanding everyone's goals in that component. I mean, I knew everyone's goals that I brought to the table. And so they it kind of hit the check marks. I knew somebody, one of the KPs, one of the partners, they were looking for opportunities on. We had a call probably four months prior to this, like it was our early January 1st, like he was like one of my maybe fifth calls of calling, what are your goals this year? What are you going after? How can I bring value? Well, I knew that was in my database and notes of what he was looking for. Well, this met that, that metric. And, and so that, that's kind of how that came together at the end of the day, simplifying everything, the relationship building, understanding people's goals and listening. Like I think so many people get caught up on the high level versus like right here the core and act attentively listening like what is it that's most important to them on a deal because everyone's different like for me when I got started you know I'll never forget when I sat down with Mark um, I told Mark I want to make 100k doing multifamily I don't care how that is he goes okay so we sat down he gave me a simple blueprint get good at underwriting and get good at finding deals 
And then, and, and then of course, learning how to raise money. The raising money piece, everyone wants to do that. But at the end of the day, it comes down to the relationship building, right? And that trust factor. So that was, that was like always here and always, I mean, we've all been doing it since we can start talking. We've been building relationships with people since we were young. And so but those are the two things that I focused on. Finding deals, get good at underwriting, bring them to the people that can close the table. Those were my only focuses. And over time, that would help compound that metric for me personally. And so I always do that to other people. I want to know what someone wants, what, what value can I bring? And so, and that's in anything. It doesn't just have to be multifamily. Some people get so caught up in multifamily and going back to what we were talking about earlier, um, you know, with people being forced to do stuff because of COVID-19. Well, there's always opportunities to innovate people's businesses and to stay on ahead of the curve. And there's always people that are trying to provide value to certain organizations, companies, individuals, and being ahead of that and ready. And so to answer that question, understanding people's goals and then going back to them and circling back around and saying, Hey, I have this opportunity. This is what it looks like. And then boom. Got it. Got it. So you said you guys lost like 150 K. That's probably a little bit lower. It's probably a little bit more, but I'm just, yeah, I, I try to not remember all the details, but it, it, it's a big number. The, so the question I have is like, yeah. why didn't you just go to another bank or why, what happened? Uh, like actually realizing the loss. Cause it's not real until like the deal dies. And so what happened or what actually made it actualized? Yeah, absolutely. So, so the reason why, again, it was the timing. This was actually the way this deal came together was I saw this deal and I, I loved the deal because the location and I loved and knew what was happening in the market. And so the very first time I saw the deal, I missed out on the opportunity. Didn't act fast enough. So that was, I got analysis paralysis, boom, reached out to the broker, literally went into contact. And I was like, I was like, oh, man. So I was like, okay, cool. Forgot about it. Lesson learned. When you have a deal, go after it. Don't be afraid of it. So that was one lesson learned. And this is previous to putting it back in the contract. Well, the deal fell apart from the other group because, A, the sellers needed to sell it really quick because they were looking to allocate funds into other projects. And so they were pushing one of their partners to sell this deal fast, sell this deal fast. Well, the other group that had it before us, Basically, they fell out of contract. I get a call from the broker saying, hey, Matt, this thing's about to fall apart probably in the next 24 hours. Are you still interested? Heck, yeah. So we, ball was rolling. Boom, 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 boom. I was actually, I'll never forget when I, you know, we, I was on my way to a networking event, got the call. We actually finalized some stuff. And then what happened was we went through it. We, we started going after it, and it just didn't happen. There was not enough time because then we were in the same position for the sellers that they, they didn't want any more time. Then they were, they were going to force more money and it just, it just became, we just put our hands up and it wasn't worth it anymore. So was the money that you guys lost, was it tied to earnest money? Was it money that you yeah, put- tied to earnest money tied to some of the development costs, construction costs. I mean, there's, like I said, when I mentioned we're still paying for, there's still, you know, there's still things on the back end that we're still, you know, making people whole and working through things. And, you know, even if, and with the, the new, I think it finally got recontracted and it may have been sold, but, you know, we even provided some of the development construction team to the new buyer just to be as value because we went through so much legwork, even with the city and 
there was just so many dynamics um, with in development, as in any development, you're working very closely with the city and, you know, the city's also rooting for you as well in most cases, um, not all the time, but, you know, they give you a lot of loops. But in this case, city, they were shooting for, you know, us to develop this thing. So it was just a very unique thing. Got it, got it. So have you made any changes to your process to make sure that this doesn't happen again? Absolutely. The biggest thing I, I make to the process now is, um, of course, my analyst, my my personal when I'm analyzing deals, it's a lot more strict and um, less assumptions when it comes down to it. I'm really more focusing on the B and C, um, you know, value add versus development in A, because that's just you know not focusing on that right now. Uh, and so when it comes down to it, really making sure that the key components, of course, your team. Because I know multifamily, it's a team sport, and I strongly believe in that. That's what Mark also taught me as well, focusing on your strengths. Um, and that's literally what I, all, all I've ever done, just focusing on my strengths. And that, you know, finding deals, analyzing really quick, and then taking them to the people that are looking for this type of deal. Um, and then, of course, helping, you know, raise money for the deals and so forth. Got it. Got it, man. Well, I want to wrap up with the final question. What words of wisdom do you have for the listeners? Stay learning. Stay innovated and continue, continue to, to reach out to people that are in the space that you're in, but also don't be afraid to, to tap into other little spaces that you know might be able to bring value to your current business. Um, because again, you never know when things are going to change and shift and uh, always just keep an open mind. Awesome. Matt, I really appreciate you jumping on and volunteering to come on and share your story via LinkedIn, man. That was pretty courageous of you. So uh, with that, we'll wrap up the show, man. Thanks again and be well. You too. Thanks. Have a great day. You made it to this juncture. So you really love what we shared on this episode of Myers Methods Presents Multifamily Missteps. Do us a favor. Give us a five-star rating. Give us a review and share this with somebody who's interested in multifamily investing. Until the next time, the pack is with you.